On this episode of the This Is Believe On podcast, I am joined by Anderson Pickard, the editor-in-chief of Primetime Sports Talk. Happy to be with you. Thank you for uh, having me on the show. I'm excited to talk sports. You know, uh, you're a big baseball guy. Uh, you like to uh, discuss baseball. I've seen you tweet about baseball, stuff like that. Uh, your perspective on what's going to happen, what's, I mean, one of the hotbeds uh, with the current uh, coronavirus situation is New York, and it seems like that they may be in a, a predicament when it comes to baseball actually returning. Yeah, I would agree with that. And I know their their governor said a few days ago they're looking to get sports back soon and that they think that's going to be a possibility within the near future. But just the way the numbers work, I think it's too dangerous. I understand there has to be a spot, a time when you say, all right, we've got to reopen the state. And I know that sports, there won't be fans together. And many of the players are healthy and young. So, you know, they're not necessarily most likely to get the virus. But I still think it's just too risky sports uh, as much as it pains me to say it, as a sports follower, sports aren't necessary. It's not, uh, it's, you know, people will live without sports. Um, and so as much as I'd, as I'd like to see sports back, and I could, I could see sports back within the near future, I don't think it'll be happening in New York. Um, so I think teams in New York will have to find a different spot to play. Uh, and I, I just hope for the safety of, of everyone that the governor uh, either considers that or finds a way to uh, work around that. Maybe maybe things improve. You know, you never know. Um, but I think overall, as of now, it's not a good idea to have sports return to New York in the near future. And, and that sort of uh, causes an issue for both uh, baseball teams in New York, you know, the Yankees and the Mets. Uh, both teams, different levels of aspiration, expectations. Uh, the Yankees, definitely one of the teams considered to be the favorite, uh, a World Series favorite, or at least a contender. The Mets kind of seem to be in uh, a middle ground where you could see them being a playoff team, or you could see them being one of the teams towards the bottom of the NL East. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think that is definitely something to keep in mind. You know, obviously safety over uh, status in in terms of standings, but overall, if if it's a good team, there's going to be attention on them, and they should be in a position where they are given. I, mean, I guess teams thrive with home field advantage and so if the Yankees for example are moved away from that you know there's not a lot of data that tells us exactly how much uh, home field advantage helps but we know that it helps so if they're moved away from New York I think that could be significant I don't think it'll take them out of the playoffs because they're a good baseball team they can win on the road but I think that atmosphere of that passionate fan base that Yankees fan base as well as the Mets fan base are both really passionate I think that would be huge, and losing that would be really significant. It, that would definitely be an issue for the Yankees, you know, with the you know the roll call that they do and how you know rambunctious they can be. It just it seems like not having not only just their their fans who are very passionate, but the dimensions of their ballpark, which is basically catered to the long list of power hitters on their roster. If they have to play in a ballpark that has different dimensions, you know, drastic di- differently dimensions, it would be uh, cause an issue offensive-wise. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, that's a good point that you bring up. A lot of people say, you know, that those dimensions are really uh, helpful for those players because obviously the Yankees play there the most. They get uh, 81 games there per season while their teams get far, far less than that. Uh, so, But at the same time, if the Yankees prove they're successful on the road, uh, and if they're away from their stadium, then that would allow their fans to, you know, silence those 
haters and say, you know, it's not the dimensions of our field. It's the fact that we have power hitters. So it could be a blessing in disguise, I suppose. Definitely. Uh, and for the Mets, uh, it might it might actually be, oh, as you said, a, a blessing in disguise for them because their, their ballpark is not necessarily the most offensive-friendly ballpark. Um, I think I thought I saw something where they actually score more runs on the road than they do at City Field. Yeah, I mean, like I mentioned, with every team, home field advantage is so important. But when you bring ballpark dimensions into it, I think that's really significant, too. And I think it would be fair to argue in some cases that the size of a ballpark uh, and the, the atmosphere and the ability to you know hit home runs in one ballpark versus another ballpark, I would argue that that could have a greater significance than uh, a passionate fan base just you know cheering on the team. Um, so it would be interesting to see. Again, we haven't really seen a situation like that uh, where a team is forced out of their stadium for an immense period of time. We haven't seen a situation like that in the recent history, but uh, it would be interesting to see how that all plays out for them. Uh, like you mentioned, a team that does find success on the road. Now, uh, the Yankees seem to have their <laughs> an issue with injuries. Uh, you know, Giancarlo Stanton being, I guess, the four the forefront for that issue he's the he's the main person that everyone looks at how do you view his his health and his long-term um productivity as a member of the yankees i mean i think it's fair to say it's definitely concerning when a player gets injured several times uh in one season and in consecutive seasons that's not something you like to see especially when it's your star player uh so i think this time of no sports is obviously important for them to not only get him back to full health, but not rush him back because they don't have anything to rush him back for now. There's no set date so they can give him the time he needs to rehab. And I think that could be really important because in past scenarios, it's possible that they've rushed him back too soon and that's uh, caused more injuries down the road. So I just hope for his sake that uh, they haven't done that too much and that uh, the, the training staff will be able to handle this well and that he'll stay healthy. But there's just some players who can't stay healthy just the way they are. Um, so... Again, I think that'll be interesting to see how that all plays out. You know, there's there's really no way to predict it as of now. Uh, he's still fairly early into his career. Hopefully, has uh, some some good playing days ahead of him. But again, it's really hard to tell just based on uh, based on what we've seen so far. Um, but it's definitely a concern. Now, uh, I've asked this question to uh, someone else before, but I want to get your your take on it. Was Aaron Judge's rookie season his best season of his career? Um. I would say that's a fair. I, I'd say, <laughs> I'd say yes, but I think he has more potential in him. I think he obviously has flaws, like, like any baseball player does, and I think he can improve on that. Uh, but as of now, I would say it's fair to say his rookie season was his best year. Okay, I mean that's that's basically where I'm at. You know, just he, he was so outstanding as a rookie. You know, he had the home run record. Um, it's still in New York, but now for the other team uh, with Key Alonso. But uh, he was such a good hitter, had power. He was, he was electric, and he just he seems to not be able to. He has his own uh, injury history now, and he seems to not be able to uh, produce at that same level. Um, he's someone who's a, is a larger figure, so I, you know any type of little little twinge can throw off his entire swing. So that's just it. Seems like that seems to be uh, being an issue for him. Yeah, I think. You, I think that's a really good point. And as we've seen, strikeouts have been a concern with him. And I think there's 
like you said, things can throw him off, but I also think there's little things like that that he could do to improve. Um, so I think it goes both ways. There's potential for him to get worse, but there's also potential for him to get better just based on his physicality and his size and just uh, his, his youth. You know, he's got the ability to learn and get better before he goes past his prime. You know, some of those older players who finally reach that peak when they're 33 or 34, it's it's too late for them to continue those improvements because they're already being phased out of the game. But for Aaron Judge, if he can catch those improvements uh, while he's young and still, uh, I guess, before his prime, arguably, I think that would be big for him. Uh, now, one last thing on, on, on the Mets. Uh, if baseball returns, it seems like there's going to be a universal DH. And they seem to be one of the few National League teams actually suited for a, a DH. Yeah, I mean, I think overall when you can replace your pitcher hitting in the lineup with a with a, a position player, that's huge and significant. But I, I agree with you in the Mets in particular. They have a couple of different players who could be suited for that. Yohannes uh, Cespedes is the first name that comes to mind. Um, but I do agree overall they're one of the top teams that comes to mind uh, who that could benefit from that universal DH the most. Uh, again, it it's all too early to tell if that will come into play if there will be a universal dh but i think that would be really cool to see um personally just watching games i would like that and i think the mets like you said would benefit from that as would every team but specifically the mets so you're in favor of the universal dh i am absolutely in favor of the universal dh i think it's good for baseball to have that uh that universal uh, i guess all around the whole league so you can't say like you can't use it as an excuse you can't be like yeah well okay that was that was this team did good, this team did bad, but that was because one of them's in the AL, they had the DH, the other one was in the NL, they didn't. Uh, I think if there's if there's no room for those excuses, if every team's on the same uh, same level in terms of just rules and lineups, I think that's I think that's best for baseball. Yeah, definitely uh, have to agree. A standard set of rules would would benefit everyone and would you know allow uh, you know certain players to have a little bit more length to their career because uh, certain players seem to end up. Sometimes just getting cast aside, uh, especially if they play for a National League team. Um, New York's not the only state that there could be issues with uh, when sports come back. California's another one, and they have five baseball teams. Yeah, uh, it's, you know, with every team, with every state, there's going to be issues. But I think those big states, you know, I'm, I'm not the one seeing the data every day, and I'm not, you know, in the in the government seeing all that stuff, all the numbers that come through. But it just it's surprising to me that California and New York are among the states ready to reopen somewhat soon. You know, I know parts of California have said they're not ready to, but it seems like California's getting there. New York has already said they're gonna be getting there soon. So it it just surprises me. I'm sure they have their reasoning. Uh, they can't they can't just let this go forever. They need to they need to make change so so, so things can start opening back up. But it just it's interesting to me to see all of it transpire. And I, again, like I said, sports aren't a necessity as much as it pains me to say that it's, it's true that we can live without sports. And so I don't think it's worth the risk um, of playing sports games with not only players, but personnel uh, in States where, you know, we're not in the clear yet. Definitely have to agree with that. Um, And they have, like I said, five teams, they got, they have the Athletics, they have the Giants, the Dodgers, the Angels, and the Padres. Is is there any one of those teams that 
uh, sticks out to you, you know, good or bad? Uh, you just mean in terms of like talent and, and skill level? Yeah, like what what team do you? What team is the best one of the group, and what team would you say is the worst? Well, I mean, the Dodgers are obviously, in my opinion, uh, the best out of all those teams. They have, I would say, they're the favorite to uh, to win the National League this year. Um, but I also like the Athletics as a underdog team. I know they're always uh, they never spend a lot of money, and so that is a that's it's tough for them to compete that way. But they've still managed to do it. They have some really great defensive players all around the field, uh, great sluggers too. So I think they have a really good balance, and I think they have the chance to compete. Uh, I think it will take some luck for them to win. You know, they need specific games to fall their way. It's not just going to come on cruise control. Um, but that's another team I could see making a run deep into the playoffs. Uh, in terms of weaker teams, I, I wouldn't say the Angels. Um, I would argue that the Padres could be among them, uh, as well as the Giants. But I would say Padres could be there in the weakest teams. They have the potential, but it's, it just really hasn't clicked for them And un, until I can start seeing promise from them. You know, last season I thought would be their season where they turned it around, and they really didn't. They're going to have a new manager this year, which is a good thing, but it can also be a, it can also be a bad thing, you know, a new learning curve. Uh, so I'm not ready this year to say they're a playoff team. I think they'll struggle again in uh, 2020. Yeah, I think the Padres' uh, main issues, uh, first base, uh, I don't know why they paid Eric Hosmer all that money. I don't know why they continue to pay Eric Hosmer all that money. All I know is they need to find somebody better than Eric Hosmer. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. It was. I know I remember uh, the, day it, the day it happened. I remember pretty clearly, actually. I, I wrote up a piece on the, uh, on the signing. I... I, I I was just shocked writing about it. Like I, I, I don't, I, I couldn't remember if I was tired and I just just wasn't reading it right. But I, I was fascinated by the terms, the length of the deal. It just, it, it shocked me when it happened. Uh, and, you know, it's good to take risks sometimes. And Hosmer is a proven player with success. But I just, at the time, I didn't think it was the right choice, and I still don't think it was a good decision. Yeah, not, not a big fan of that Hosmer deal. Um, the, uh, the Dodgers seem to find themselves in a, in a. Interesting predicament, as they traded for Mookie Betts. Now, there's a chance Mookie Betts never plays a game in a Dodgers uniform. Do you think that's a possibility? I mean, I'm going both ways on this, because first of all, it would be fascinating to see that happen, and just the irony and how crazy it would be for that to turn out. Um, You know, I, I do think we'll get baseball back this season. So I think he will end up playing a game for the Dodgers. Um, but even if he does play in 80 games, that's still I would still feel comfortable with declaring it a win for the Red Sox. I think that trade, uh, it, I thought it was a pretty fair trade when it happened, but if the Dodgers only get 60 to 80 games with Mookie Betts plus David Price's large contract, which ultimately is a burden on them, uh, you know, nobody could have predicted this, so I won't. Uh, criticize them for making that trade, but just looking back on it, the the irony and everything that's happened, uh, it's it's pretty crazy. And if Mookie Betts leaves um, and hits free agency, if he decides not to return, that will definitely hurt the Dodgers, um, you know, without a doubt. Wouldn't it be absolutely entertaining if Mookie Betts leaves the Dodgers and resigns back in Boston? That would be crazy. And I know just as someone from New England, I know a lot of people who would love that and uh, who would find pleasure in that. I think it would be really unprecedented as everything is these days but uh that would be so fascinating to see i you know i really just can't even begin to think what would happen if that or what 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 fans would 
be like, what would happen uh, if that if that were to take place. I know Dodgers fans don't particularly love Red Sox Nation, so that would be another thing, uh, another another fuel to the fire, adding to that hate. But uh, overall, it's it, it's just pretty humorous to think about if that were to happen. I don't see it as likely, but uh, that would be a pretty crazy scenario to all come together. Well, there is a precedent for this. Uh, the Yankees traded Roldis Chapman to the Cubs, got back Labor Torres, and Chapman signs back with the Yankees. I mean, right. so it, it, it is a possibility of it happening. And it hasn't, I mean, the last time it happened was only a few years ago. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely possible anything can happen. I know Mookie Betts, uh, it seems like he had a pretty good time in Boston. I think, obviously, the only thing that didn't go his way was the money, which is why Boston decided to trade him uh, in the end. But anything can happen, and he, I think he'd probably be willing to take it to a little bit of a discount if it meant he got to go back to the city that he, you know, the, the team that drafted him, the team that continues to have faith in him, and uh, the team that, you know, really, I think, struggled to trade him uh, just because of that reason. He's been a big part of their team for a long time. Uh, you know, getting traded, I'm sure, does hurt, especially when you're a star like that. So he could lose some respect for that. Uh, he could or he could lose respect for the Red Sox because of that. But uh, in the end, I think he had a pretty good time in Boston. You know, uh, seeing all those games, I've been to a bunch of Sox games, and he, he was a, he's a great player, he was, and he seemed like he was always having a great time. Now, the Red Sox seem to be a in an interesting situation themselves now since they've moved on from Dave Dombrowski. Um, I, I grew up in Michigan for uh, for most of my life, and um, so I'm familiar with how Dave Dombrowski operates, you know, watching him put together the Tigers after and that, and now he moved on to Boston. He did his thing, which is exactly what everyone expected. It, it seems like people have differing views on what he did there. Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely agree there's differing views, and I think he did what he was asked, you know. He, he got them the World Series ring, there was that, uh, so that's, you know, you can't ask for more than that, other than multiple World Series rings. Um, I think he, you know, he didn't make any terrible decisions overall. There were some signings in there that really didn't go their way, um, but there's that's going to happen with any team, and I think the bigger Boston market really uh, impacted that. You know, if it was a smaller city, uh, with or a team that doesn't get as much attention, I don't think he would have gotten as much uh, hate for that for some of those decisions. But he also made good decisions. You know, he had some good trades in there um, and did a decent job develop, developing the farm system. He leaves with their farm system being in a okay place right now, um, some depth at some positions and lacking at other positions. I know he didn't address the bullpen a lot, uh, but he went out and uh, you know he got Chris Sale. So that was huge, and uh, guys came up. He he extended uh, Sale, and he extended Xander Bogarts, and uh, he got uh, he brought up Devers to the majors, and so there was overall, I would call it a success. But I think I agree that it was the right time to fire him. Um, you know, maybe would have gone one more year with him to see how things would have played out. But overall, I think he did what he was asked, and it was time to move on. Yeah, the the standing operating procedure for a Dave Dombrowski uh, team with money is burn down the farm system, get all the MLB talent, and go for the ring. <laughs> right, right, and he he basically did that. I would I would agree. Uh, I think he tried to salvage the farm system, but it didn't really work out. And I think that was probably one of the one of the last things that people saw in him before he was fired. And 
little little side note, interesting thing. Uh, when he was in Detroit, he put together a team uh, with the Tigers that was really good. But they didn't win the World Series. But since that time, when that team was that good, they've all left Detroit and won World Series titles elsewhere. So you look at, you know, David Price, Ian Kinsler, Max Scherzer, Justin Verlander, J.D. Martinez. I just think it's interesting. He had the, the right guys in place. It just wasn't the right time. Right, and you mentioned that with the Tigers. I think the same thing could go with the Red Sox. They've got a solid crew in place right now. Last season was their year, and there's, you know, with Mookie Betts being shipped away, there's questions about this year. But if you look around that team, there's still some flashy players and uh, a lot of youth overall. So, um, you know, I think it's fair to say that this team still has potential before they have to either tear it down or fully commit to uh, being World Series contenders. They have some time to say, you know what? Let's look at where we are and decide what we want to pursue before we pursue it. Yeah, more of a, a retool than a rebuild in Boston. Right. And I, I think that they're they're fairly well suited for uh, this retool that they're going to have to do uh, currently. Um, I don't love their pitching, uh, to be honest, uh, but I think they have enough there to put something together to uh, avoid being like the Tigers now or the Orioles or any of those bottom feeder teams. Yeah, I think the big thing was that David Dabrowski, uh, other than um, David, well, other than, yeah, bringing in David Price and uh, uh, trading for Chris Sale and extending him, I think he wasn't really willing to spend too much money on uh, the, the starters. So I know he traded for Eduardo Rodriguez. I believe it was him who traded for him. I believe he was still in charge when they got Rodriguez. And then there were just some lower bullpen or lower uh, tier guys who would shift from bullpen to starting pitching and just fill in that fourth and fifth spot in the rotation. So uh, obviously Nathan Avaldi, that trade was huge. That turned out great until the extension, and then he uh, got hurt. But you know, oh well. <laughs> um, but overall, that seemed like it was it was looking it was looking optimistic until things started to crash and fall. Um, but you know, it is what it is. Uh, we'll see we'll see how it goes from here. Uh, it'll, you know, with Chris Sale hurt now and David Price gone, there's a lot of questions. But uh, I think this, I think the new leadership team is uh, is pretty young and smart, and I think they could, uh, they could bring uh, good pitching back to Boston. Now, I need your perspective on something. It's been a hot button topic in Cleveland for several years now, basically since he got called up to the majors, and that is the status of Francisco Lindor. Uh, you ask people in Cleveland, obviously they want to keep him, um, but it seems like his days in the Indians uniform are numbered if there are any even more that he actually plays in. Right, and I thought we were going to see the same thing we saw with Mookie Betts where you know they may trade him a little earlier than expected so they can you know, basically exchange that extra year under contract, say, say to a team with, uh, who's looking for a player like that, say, hey, we've got one year of this player, plus you have the chance to re-sign or assign to an extension, and that'll help their, the Indians leverage in trades. But with the unfortunate timing of the coronavirus, that kind of put things on hold. And now if a season resumes, I don't think we'll have a trade deadline. Um, I, but I don't even know if we'll have trades at all. You know, I don't know how the, the roster moves will look. Um, but I think that really threw a wrench into the plans for Cleveland and I know like you said Indians fans want him back uh, and I think you know it's hard to tell because those players you know things come together within a few minutes you could see um, you could see an extension 
come together within a few minutes once the season opens back up, or you could see a trade come together within a few minutes. So it is, there's no way to predict it, but I, I do think that it could be uh, the end of Francisco Lindor in Cleveland. I, I really see it as that way, uh, too, just because, I mean, I'd love for, for Lindor to spend his entire career here, but I, I realize the, the economics of it, even before uh, the coronavirus, or even getting into anything in depth about the Indians organization, this, it wouldn't work with how much money he's going to get paid in comparison to the other players on the roster. Uh, I think they lucked into signing some guys to some early extensions, you know, like Jose Ramirez, but... You know there are going to be other guys that are going to be that are going to have to get paid, and if the option is Francisco Lindor in a whole bunch of scrubs or paying all the other guys and keeping a somewhat competitive team together, I think the options. I think the choice is obvious. Yeah, you know sacrifices have to be made. There's only so much money to go around, and it it almost relates to the what we were talking about with Eric Hosmer. Obviously, Francisco Lindor is not Eric Hosmer. There's a big difference between those two, but. You have to make sacrifices, and you can't always take those risks just because it, you know, benefits your fans or even benefits your team a bit. Uh, if if there's that exchange between, hey, we get Lindor, but we lose these other players that we want, you know, sometimes you have to say it might not be worth it, even though we have one of the best shortstops in the game, and we're we're gonna have to lose into another team potentially even in the same division. You know, you never know when he could come back to play against you and torture you, but. Sometimes you just have to take those, make those sacrifices. Now, uh, I don't know how familiar you are, familiar you are with the uh, the disdain for the Indians' ownership uh, from the fan base, but it, it seems like on a daily basis, people are just calling the owners cheap. Yeah, you know, I I'm not super familiar, but uh, if I had to imagine, it was it's probably somewhat similar to what Mets fans are thinking with the Mets ownership, except maybe not at the same level, maybe not as severe um i'm never a fan of fans calling their ownership cheap because they're making the right decisions and we've seen it work out so if you have the smart smart people in there who can do their jobs we've seen it in oakland they don't spend that much money and they get the job done same with tampa bay uh, they most of their players are signed to pretty cheap deals there's a lot of farm system work done there with uh, homegrown players on those really cheap deals um so i don't i don't love seeing people call their favorite team's ownership cheap, but I also understand where they're coming from. As a fan, you want to see those flashy players, and you want to see your team beat the other 29 teams in signing a big-name player. So I get where they're coming from, but ultimately I think you have to let the owners do their jobs and let them decide what's best for the team. You know, it's the, There's a lot riding on it for them. You know, It's not like they're just doing their job just so they can torture the fans. They want the team to have success too. So in the end, it's, it's their decisions, and they, uh, they do what they think is best for the team, I guess. The the other gripe fans have is talking attendance about the Indians. The Indians haven't had good attendance <laughs> numbers going on almost two decades now. Um, but it, it seems like that it's more of a important and key factor to the way the Indians operate compared to some of the other teams because of the market that they play in, because of what is considered now to be a bad TV deal, that they're very heavily dependent on attendance to just you know, keep things going. And with no fans in the stands, I think that it, it's going to uh, lead to a, probably a fairly early trade of Lindor, if, if not other players. Yeah, unfortunately, I think that'll definitely have an impact on it. The low attendance will, unfortunately, uh, you know, I think business 
and baseball operations, they've always kind of been together, but I think they'll really merge into, like I said, those sacrifices. Um, and it's really unfortunate, but like I said, there's not much you can do about it. Um, and it, I definitely feel for Indians fans with that because, uh, you know, it hurts to lose a star player. I just know that just, I mean, everyone doesn't want their team to lose a star player. And it's tough when those business decisions, especially ones that really you can't, that you can't control, you can't control the coronavirus. And that's going to ultimately play into Francisco Lindor either leaving or staying. And that's, you know, an unfortunate circumstance. Now, you have you you've seen the proposal for the you know, the three divisions of, of ten teams? Uh, do you like that idea, or do you not like that idea? It's interesting. I mean, you're gonna it, teams are always gonna be on a private jet. It's not like they're gonna be flying with the public, anyways, and they're gonna be staying within their region. Like, is that is that gonna have a big difference compared to flying across to you know from east coast to west coast, for example? If the Yankees fly down to Atlanta to play against the Braves, is that really going to be better than flying across the country to play the Angels? You know, and there's other aspects to a whole different, whole different cities. But um, it'll also be cool to see change. I don't want anything like this permanent. But the season's already up in the air. There's going to be a bunch of changes to it. Um, so I think they can experiment. And I think ultimately, it. You know, I don't know if it'll either be good or bad for baseball. Um, but I think it'll be just cool to witness a bit of a change as long as things are back to normal next year. What do you think about uh, Toronto? Because they're the only uh, outside of the U.S. team. Will they have to play somewhere in the United States, or are they somehow going to make Toronto work? Yeah, well, I've seen things that are uh, different rumors saying that they're going to have a lot of bands, especially with out-of-country travel. So I think ultimately they'll probably, I mean, with, again, without knowing what their what their government is thinking at this very second, it's hard to tell. Um, but you know, just from a safety perspective, I think playing inside the country would be the best idea. Um, but you know, because because things could change at any minute, they could be stranded either in Canada or in America at any point in time, and without a way to leave, and that would ultimately cost that uh, cause the baseball season to be paused again. Because if there's one team that suddenly drops out, you really can't play without them. So, I think. Keeping them in America is probably the best decision. I know it's hard for those families uh, and for the teams. So ultimately, that's probably up to the Blue Jays to decide. Um, but again, the, the, there's so many risks involved that it's probably the safer bet to have them inside the United States. All right, I got a couple more questions for you. Uh, is there one team that you have your eye on this season that might surprise some people? Uh as I mentioned earlier, the Oakland Athletics are one of those teams. Um, but, you know, they, they were playoffs last year, so I don't know if they're necessarily underdogs. Um, just thinking off the top of my head, the Mets could be in there too. But then again, they could also play terrible. I think they're pretty inconsistent. There's no way to predict that. But uh, they have a good group of guys. I could see them making something happen. Uh, the Angels too. I think they're they're interesting to think about. You know, they, they went out and signed Anthony Rendon. They bolstered their pitching staff. Um, Mike Trout and Shohei Otani should be healthy for the most part. So I think they, if they can stay healthy and they can, you know, if the players that they sign can perform to what they're expected to perform at, um, I think they could be an under-the-radar team for a wild-card spot. You know, I don't think they'll compete with the Astros, but they might have to fight with the Athletics inside their division for one of those wild-card spots. So uh, there's going to be a lot that they have to go through to 
secure that playoff spot, but I think it's definitely possible. How do you think the David Ross manager of the Cubs situation is going to work? Is this going to be a success or is this going to be, or there could be a case of two buddy buddy and it not working? Yeah, you know, I really want it to work. I know when I was, when the Red Sox won the 2013 World Series when I was younger, um, obviously that being inside the region that I live in, it was pretty cool because he was a veteran, but he was a big part of that team. So I really want to see it work. Um, I hope it does. I know he, and I like, like you said, he's got a lot of friends on that team. So, you know, that that could be a disadvantage, but could also be an advantage. Um, ultimately, I think it'll work well. He seems like a really smart guy. So I think that'll have a huge impact, of course. Um, but like you said, I just hope things don't go to, uh, he doesn't take things to, I guess, take it to a personal level with them being friends instead of his, you know, his, his players. Which is one team you'll think will underachieve this season? Um, well, I, if you'd asked me a couple months ago, I would have said the Yankees. But now that you know they're probably going to be fully healthy when the season starts, I'm willing to bet they'll perform at the level of expectation this year. Um, I don't know. Another team I could see underachieving is the Twins, just because they had a huge year last year that no one expected. So now the expectations are on them to perform at that same level again. They've made some good additions, um, and you know I wouldn't, I wouldn't doubt that they're a playoff team. But I don't know if they're going to get to the same level they did last year. You know, last year everything came together and it clicked. It was pretty surreal, um, and I just don't know if everything will come together at the same level it did last year. All right, last two questions: uh, Who was your favorite baseball player growing up, and who is it now? My favorite baseball player was actually Ryan Lavarna. He was a minor league. I spent most of his career in the minor leagues. He's still in the minors. Uh, this year, uh, he signed a minor league deal with the Marlins. Um, I so he, I met him at one of the first games I went to, a Portland Sea Dogs baseball game in Portland, Maine, Double A baseball affiliate for the Red Sox. He was one of the Red Sox's top catching prospects, um, and I met him and uh, he he lifted me up onto his shoulders. It was like a charity event, so I got to go on the field and I met him, and that was pretty cool. And then he hit a home run that day, so that just made it even better. Uh, so I've followed his career ever since. He got signed to a, he was released by the Yankees AAA affiliate last year which meant basically he wasn't good enough for AAA but then the Reds signed him to a major league deal and in his debut he hit two home runs and then had a double he had like five RBIs or something then he hit another home run the next day so uh that was pretty cool to see him come back to see success um and just see someone that I had been watching for so many years finally prove themselves and they steal headlines for baseball that day um so I'm still monitoring his career for sure um, so he would still be one of my favorite players, but to go beyond that, you know, it's hard not to say Mike Trout, that kid, that guy's doing so much for baseball, uh, and really impressed with not only the way he plays, but just how uh, mature he is, you know, he's, he's popular, but he doesn't let that get to him. Um, another player would be Raphael Devers, you know, just being from Boston, I hear his name a lot, or be, being from the Boston area, I hear his name a lot. Um, and you know, he's a young star. Uh, I think he's going to do great things, um. You know, I overall, if it's a young player who's really positive and a good role model, there's no way to not like them. Um, so those are just a few players, but there's a lot really that just make overall watching baseball uh, even even better for the casual baseball fan or for the hardcore baseball fan. Um, but yeah, those young players who are really know what they're doing and they're really good guys. You know, it's hard not to root for them. Yeah, uh, I remember the Ryan Lavarnway uh, <laughs> little bump he got last year. Uh... 
I don't know if you're a fantasy baseball player, but he got added really quick because of those two games, and then he got dropped really quick afterwards. Yeah. Yeah, he, I think he spent maybe five games in the majors, and then he got sent back down to the to the minors all because of someone came back from the injured list, which, you know, it is what it is. It was cool to see him succeed, and he was able to find a minor league job this year, so hopefully he gets continued success. All right. Um, thanks for coming on. Uh, it was fun talking baseball. We kind of touched on a, a variety of topics, uh, not, you know, not one specific team. Just we discussed a whole bunch, and I, I had a good time talking with you. Yeah, thank you for having me. It was great to talk sports, as always, uh, especially during times like these when you know, there's there's not a lot to talk about. It's good to talk about analysis and opinions for the upcoming season, stuff like that. So thank you for having me. I really appreciate it.